The following is a Bunkazilla original production. We are monsters of culture. Welcome to this edition of Bunker Mania here on Bunkerzilla UK. I am Jeremy Graves. We are here to talk about some wrestling. It's been an interesting few weeks in the world of wrestling when we're talking current day things. As we record this on the 29th of July, we've had money in the bank. AEW's been knocking it out the park. WWE's been knocking it somewhere. There's been a lot of things going on. And to help me discuss a variety of things that have been happening across the landscape of professional wrestling, I will describe him as he is the Alex Reynolds, if I'm John Silver from The Dark Order. It's Mr. Ian Bolton. Hello, I will take that. I think that's quite a nice comparison. I, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So good, good wrestlers to compare me to as well. Today, exactly. They're a great tag team in fairness. Yeah. I'm not sure how many tag team matches you've seen with them, but they're genuinely really good. They are very good. I mean, um, I think they both featured in the um, the Fight for the Fallen 10-man uh, tag, uh, which which was last night, obviously day of recording, which was excellent. And obviously we'll be talking about a little bit later on. And uh, yeah, you, you can say uh, WWE is knocking it somewhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And that, 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 that's pretty, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have fun with this one. <laughs> yeah, so I, I suppose the, the, where we should start is we should start with money in the bank, the pay-per-view specifically, okay. because. All right, we'll start with money in the it, bank. It, it was the first pay-per-view event that had fans back in the building. Obviously there was the Smackdown a couple of nights prior to that, that had yep. the fans in as well. But, um, but overall thoughts on money in the bank, Ian, how would you, how would you sum it up from your point of view? Um, I think Barring like the odd, the odd little moment, I think this is probably a ve- this was a very very strong pay per view from WWE. Um, there, it had some it had something for everyone in a way, and it was just quite. A, it was a really good event having fans back in. Uh, you had some re- you had some really great Money in the Bank ladder matches. Women's was good. The men's was spectacular. Um, you had you had Bobby Lashley completely destroying Kofi Kingston in a logical storytelling sense of way. Obviously, some people a little bit saw that Kofi's lost in a similar fashion again, just like Brock Lesnar. We'll touch on that a little bit later on. Um, and then we had we had the we had the challenge of Charlotte and Rhea Ripley overcoming a very feisty crowd to actually put on one of the matches of the night, which is really really good. And um, yeah, uh, Reigns and Edge delivered quite nicely and it ended with the almightiest of pops for John Cena and it's like it's like I think just the whole sort of reaction and kind of like little bits and pieces I think as a fan who'd been struggling with the WWE product for a little bit and things are slowly starting to get a little bit better at that point because of fans coming back it was just it was just a very crazy feel-good wholesome moment just seeing Cena just come back because the fans were fans were cheering him just like they did with Austin back in like the Attitude Era days, which was insane. Uh, Michael Cole was losing his shit because <laughs> it's like there's the high the high pitch of oh my god he's here he's here <laughs> it's the way Pat McAfee just goes where <laughs> which was even better <laughs> it was what yeah Pat McAfee it's like Pat McAfee I know we've had we've had discussions about the the style of commentary but I think just there he just goes where. Money in the Bank 2021 is just a very wholesome, feel-good pay-per-view. 
Um, the results came as you expected. Um, and yeah, I think many people left this pay-per-view with a smile on their face than, uh, than the frowns that would follow it after which we'll talk about a bit later on. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very good way you've spoken about it there. And from my point of view, I think we talked about it on the on our last Bunker Mania, actually, where I said it mm. felt like that the fans coming back in, it felt like it was almost like a new chapter point where someone could jump onto or jump on from yeah. again. Kind of like, like, like if you're reading comics, for example, if you don't read a particular comic for a while, you try and figure out, right, is there a good place to jump back on? I've not read in a few years. And there's usually some logical points in mm. like, in a comics run where you can probably jump on. You may not get some references, but it's not it's not you know going to break the bank, if you will. No pun intended, quite literally. If you mm. if you don't know what some references are, I felt this was the opportunity for that to happen. I thought the SmackDown leading into Money in the Bank was a great showcase of that because it perfectly yep. it got you really in the mood for everything, as it were. And then when it comes to the show overall, I, I echo what you said. I thought the women's Money in the Bank was actually really, really good. And I know I've seen some mixed reactions online, like anecdotally, but there's a particular reason why I really liked it, which I'll get onto in a few moments. The men's one, like you say, was wild, spectacular, yeah. any other kind of <laughs> description you can add to it. Some of the stuff they were doing was crazy. The, the Bobby Lashley-Kofi Kingston match you know, actually, that's a good place to just start overall. But to conclude yeah, okay. my overall thought, pay-per-view as a whole, I thought was really freaking good. Like, very good. And it, it was obvious as well that having fans in there really added that much-needed energy that had been lacking. And we all knew that was going to be the case. But it was really emphasised during the show. But Bobby Lashley and Kofi Kingston, like you said, from a storytelling point of view, it makes total sense, especially with Biggie winning Money in the Bank. There is a very, very logical way you could go with this down the line if they wanted to go yeah. down that route. You could easily join the dots there. But Kofi was so over with the crowd. Yeah. To a point where it was one of the few times where I kind of wished someone had just called an audible and just gone, you know what? We need to give something different. What we've mm. got would work, but this is the one time where people were, well, I say one time, people were just genuinely invested in Kofi, actually giving him a run for the money. And I thought the actual build-up promo to the match really did a lot for me as a viewer. Because I've readily admitted, I'm not watching a lot of WWE right now, but what it emphasised was Bobby Lashley's change of direction. In that mm. Kofi called his bluff and saying, basically saying, you've got soft. You know, why are you hiding behind all this BS that, that MVP is giving you? And he, and he called it. He said, yeah, you're right. I have been hiding behind this. Why am I not just destroying everything? And from a story point of view, it made 100% total sense and it got a genuine emotional reaction from people because of how angry they were that Kofi didn't get, a, really didn't have a good shot in the match. But at the same time, it was one of those few times where I just kind of wish someone had gone this needs to be more competitive or at least give Kofi a little bit more, like just a little bit more. Cause otherwise it was basically a seven minute domination. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think people were hoping during the early stages of the match, I think people were hoping for something similar to like Brian and Lesnar at Survivor Series mm. a few years ago, where obviously the more dominant, powerful uh, wrestler, obviously in this case, Bobby would be throwing Kofi all over the place. And then there'll be a slight, a slight little bit of luck for Kofi to kind of start building up and getting a little bit of offense in and having like the odd near fall here or there. Um, and that just didn't happen 
And obviously mm. it becomes more shades of uh, Lesnar Cena at SummerSlam back in 2014. Um, Suplex City. Suplex City. Um, and yeah, and again, it's like, I would have liked a little bit of offense from Kofi. I really would. But I, I, I was happy with this from a storytelling perspective. And I, and I, I can't really, I can't really kind of dig into much more than that. It was just, a, it was like a seven, 10 minute, let's throw Kofi around the ring match. And then that was it. That, that, that was it in a nutshell. Yes. It's building Lashley up for the eventual SummerSlam opponent, which we will talk about in a little bit. At the end of the day, this match is a story plot point for Lashley. And that's, yeah. and that's about it. K- Kofi was literally just part of the story in this instance. Yeah. It's, it's a shame that it wasn't more competitive, but again, I think from a storytelling perspective, it makes perfect sense. Obviously, Kofi fans, obviously after seeing, obviously Kofi getting squashed in like eight, nine seconds on SmackDown years ago for the title. Um, yeah, it, I guess it's understandable. It opens up a bit of old wounds. It's like, oh, we can't treat Kofi seriously as a, as a total contender anymore. He's just got to be squashed every time he's in the ring with someone who is literally twice the size of him. Um, so yeah, I, I can really, I can really understand why Kofi fans feel sore about it. I do. Um, hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone realistically expected Kofi to win the belt at Money in the Bank. I think we both said Lashley was going to retain anyway. Um, but obviously, I think we both wanted a little bit more competitiveness as well. So, yeah, it was very it much the it how that we wanted it to play out differently. Yeah, it is. It, it was a match that served a purpose, and it served a purpose more for Lashley, and that's and that's all it is really. Indeed, the one wrinkle in all of this for me now. I don't know if Kofi wrestled on the next show or not. I, I honestly don't know. But do you want to know what the one thing that kind of defeats this domination aspect from Bobby Lashley for me is? Go on. I don't know if you're aware, but occasionally on like the pay-per-views, there'll be like a sort of a, a WWE.com exclusive interview backstage of like winners of matches and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And after Big E won the Money in the Bank match, there is an interview with him also featuring in the background, or I say in the background, also in shot, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston. The thing is, given that Kofi's just been decimated and he's now just appearing in a backstage interview, regardless of the situation and the circumstance, because obviously it's phenomenal that Big E won, but would it not have been just a little bit more logical to have not had him there? Given he has just been demolished, you know, only what, like under an hour earlier of that? Yeah, I think it does rob the storytelling aspect of that a little bit of the, like the severity of the beating. So it's an, it's an odd choice. I can understand Kofi and Xavier being there, being there as obviously really close friends of Big E. I can, Mm -hmm. I can get that. I can totally get that. Maybe they could, maybe they could have done a little celebration, maybe on the following SmackDown after that. But, um, but yeah, it just, it just seemed, yeah, you're right. It seems very, very odd. Mm. It just, it feels very, yes, it's breaking kayfabe, but, it's still quite odd. It's just a little bit of continuity. Like, I'm a continuity guy, which it, when watching mm. anything with WWE is a, is a danger in itself. But when it comes to, you know, I've got no way to segue from that, so I'm just going to say it. When it comes to Money in the Bank matches, given that Big E won one of them, and I mentioned I was going to say why I really like the women's match, but obviously that's not taking away from the men's match because that was insane. What mm. I really, really liked about the women's Money in the Bank match is that there was a focus on actually trying to get the briefcase. 
Yes. I feel it's one of the first Money in the Bank matches in a long time that's actually had an emphasis overall of people trying to get up to get the briefcase. Not just have it be a random moment where someone's in a convenient place to go, oh, I can climb up now, I might be able to get it. And it feels like it's a spur-of-the-moment decision. There were constant attempts to try and get up the ladder or to try and find a way to get up the ladder, which ultimately played into the finish of the way that Nikki A.S.H., Nikki Ash, Nikki Cross, Nikki, whatever we're going to call her, ultimately how she won the match. And the fact it came in such a, in a uh, almost contradicting myself, but the fact that circumstance came as almost a random occurrence that caught everyone off guard, I thought was excellent. Yeah, of course, a lot of Money in the Bank matches end up with like the big long climb up to the top and like the like the um, the drawn out. He's got the case. They're unhooking the case. They have the case. They've won the match. Whereas this one was just basically up goes Nikki uh, A.S.H., grabs the case, off she goes. She's won. And everyone else at the top of the ladders are just going, what just happened? Exactly. <laughs> in a way. Um, in terms of, I mean, a lot of a lot of the uh, the wrestlers got a nice little showing. Uh, there was definitely some crowd support for Liv Morgan. So that was nice to see. Yep. Crowd support for Nikki as well. Um, generally, it was, it was a decent little match. Uh, I mean, it's like, I think it, it was very good. It was a good show opener. Um, I think Nikki winning was an interesting choice. Because um, I, I think you said in the predictions you were quite keen to see uh, Nikki possibly pick up the briefcase as well. Yeah, um, I think my main pick, if I remember correctly, was Liv Morgan. But I, w- yeah. I would love to have seen it be Nikki. I think is what is what, what I recall saying. I'm probably just talking complete codswallop. But if I am, call me out on it, people. Post in the comments and such. Find Bugzilla UK everywhere. But um, but yeah, I think that's the direction I was thinking, and it was just really cool. I mean, speaking as a Brit here as well, like it is cool to see a British wrestler win that. Like, mm. just in general, I, I've always got a soft spot when things like that happen, be it a championship or an opportunity like that. And yeah. it was just a really, really cool moment. But in a way, the fact it was such a it caught you off guard moment, in a way, added to it. Because mm. no one, it, it just again, no one expected it to happen like that at the very least. And so it made it, it, made it even more memorable. That's the word I was trying to think of. But yeah, nice little match. Um, and then the men's money in the bank match, uh, I think we talked about it in the predictions as well. So like, that's a hell of a lineup. And boy, did they deliver. It, it was kind of like, it was like a sugar rush from the from the moment the bell rung all the way up to being he taken that case. It was like big spots, big power moves, ricochet literally flinging himself all over the spot. You've got Riddle delivering RKO's everywhere it's the best and 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 the rkos looked amazing as well and it's like you know what i i it's like it's been a little bit selfish here i wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind riddle adapting that into his repertoire (laughs) quite (laughs) quite a bit moving forward because it was just like just being able to just fluently just deliver the rkos i mean it still works riddle knockout done passing off the torch Make it happen, Randy, please. No. <laughs> I mean, I hey, think, I saw- what, what, what if it's going to lead to uh, to like the rights to the RKO match? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You can imagine it, though, right? You, you know they do it. <laughs> oh, Vince will be going, oh, that's good shit. Book it. Book it. Rights yeah, of RKO. <laughs> this Money in the Bank match, though, was <laughs> mental. Like, Kevin Owens... Clearly, he'd watched the NXT takeover when Cameron Grimes took a move on the side of a ladder because he got freaking destroyed on that, if I remember correctly. There was oh, just yeah, so did. much good stuff happening in this Money in the Bank ladder match. The insane death-defying related moves, just 
just the overall pace of it, it felt very non-stop. And then ultimately, and this isn't just me trying to quickly get through the match or anything, because it's just calling it like it is, because there's so much that happened. But ultimately, mm. Big E winning was exactly... in the. Con- I can't actually remember what my prediction was. I think I wanted Big E to win, but I wasn't sure if he would. But in that moment, it not only felt right... I wanted it to happen. And that is a testament to how good the match was and that everything built up to that moment. It was a very wholesome moment. I mean, I mean, got a bit emotional there because it was like, yes, finally, Biggie's going to have a, hopefully a world championship run at some point in the next year. And yeah, it was just, there was something cathartic about just seeing him just climb up, grab that briefcase and just sit there with everyone cheering. There was something really sort of, cathartic for not just the not just the journey of the character but for the journey of biggie as a performer so seeing him being able to finally get that spotlight on him it's going to be great to see who he cashes in on now a question because yeah it could it could be it could be lashley i mean storytelling tells you lashley it's a really easy also, story it's but right there also, in front of you but part of me is kind of going well what if you make him like the super baby face that finally puts roman to bed it's it's, just, it's like there are two good tantalizing possibilities there, but we'll Re- see. Redemption for your best friend, yeah, or or King Slayer, as it were. Well, no, sorry, no, table no, no, Slayer, no, I guess. No, table Slayer, no. Chief Slayer, Chief Slayer. There you go. There you go. Why does a Table Slayer? <laughs> Have you been watching Botchamania? <laughs> hey, you know Matthew's a great guy. What can I say? It's just oh, freaking egg. Table Slayer, like. Oh, I am the table slayer. <laughs> There's a clip for you. <laughs> but but oh. yeah, and I mean, you mentioned it as well. Again, not just trying to breeze past Money in the Bank, just because yeah. there, there is a lot to get to. But the, the, the Raw women's title match between Charlotte and Rhea, I really, really like this match. The crowd really yeah. added to this, especially when the match began with a We Want Becky <laughs> chant. And then Charlotte clearly just lost her shit and just flipped off the crowd. And the camera tried to cut away. But that yeah. actually, to me, really added to it. Because mm. there was this dynamic of, who the heck am I meant to be cheering for in this? Mm. And at that moment, you could then pick or choose, is that a cheer Charlotte thing? Or is that a boo Charlotte thing? And mm. either one you could have gone with, realistically, because of the way she reacted. She was either pissed off at the fans you know, because they were chanting they want Becky after all she's done. Or she was pissed off at the fans after all she's done from like a selfish point of view. You could literally take it either way, but it actually added like a layer to the match, which I don't know how many people have analyzed it like that, but that's how it came across to me. And I really, it just, it added so much more to it, even though the match itself was really freaking good. Yeah. I think, I think obviously the crowd reaction to begin with probably stems from how this feud was booked the last couple of months obviously mm. there, no favors have unfortunately been done for charlotte or rear i mean we've said before they're great wrestlers the booking for this mm. feud has been abysmal especially after the light table bump at hell in a cell so understandably if the fans don't particularly want to see another 20 minutes of these two combatants going going up against each other for a storytelling reason uh, that's fair enough but absolute credit to charlotte and rear they managed to get the crowd to get really invested in it. Again, hard-hitting, great moves. Again, a little bit frustrating to see Rhea lose another big match against Charlotte. Because um, hope, because I think in the, yeah, in the predictions, I really wanted Rhea to win and just kind of have her defining moment and then 
go on to kind of have another battle down the line, maybe against a returning Lynch. And so, or, or maybe, I mean, the worst case would have been if, if it was going to be another Charlotte match, but, but ultimately, yeah, it's, it was a good match. Yeah. Charlotte's won ever belt. Not really that fussed about it, to be perfectly honest. It just, she is a, she's a great wrestler. There is a reason they keep giving her the belt. It's, it's not, it's not because Ric Flair's her dad. It is, she's managed to build this legacy for herself and be able to go out there, put on these great matches and be an absolute workhorse for WWE. So I'm not surprised she has the belt again. I mean, it's like- 100% agree. 100% agree. That said, Mm. I have one gripe about this match. One. Go on. Let's recap. Okay. They had a championship match together, which ended in a disqualification- after the after the top end of the table, we'll call it was was beautifully thrown into the face of Charlotte at very close range. Can we use the phrase "lightly wafted"? But much better. There you go, lightly <laughs> wafted. Whereas in this match, Charlotte got so pissed off, she wedged Rhea's leg in between the ring post and the steps, and proceeded to kick the steps not once. Not twice, but if I remember correctly, three times, Ian, three times. And that was not a disqualification. Now, I have seen people say, the ring steps is part of the ring. You know what I say to that? Bullshit. (laughs) Because quite frankly, (laughs) steps are not part of the ring. They fit around the ring. If you go to most, if you go to any indie show, sometimes people don't have a set of stairs and the stairs to get into the ring is a chair put by the ring. It does not count as part of the ring. That was the only thing that took me out of this match. And in the end, I let it slide because there was, there was an element of me that also in my brain said, the ref didn't want this to end in a DQ, so he let it go. But ultimately, it was the game changer that ended the match. Yeah. So that's, again, that's the only gripe I have with this match. But but, it, but there we yeah. go. I think in the grand scheme of this feud, obviously after the table incident, yes, this seems a bit, yeah, this seems just as silly. But um, may, maybe it's just, it was just one of those things. It's it's one of these things, basically, they make a, they'll make a mistake during a booking and kind of go, oh, we shouldn't really do that again. And they'll 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 just gloss over it the next time. It's it's unfortunately one of those little things. Um, so yeah, I mean, before, other than the universal title match, we also had uh, raw tag teams, which we forgot to predict <laughs> originally. Well, I mean, yeah, let's call it like it is. We did, yeah. But I mean, with that match, so actually, there's two tag team title matches we should reference, and, and again, not just to breeze oh, yes. past them. Yes, kick off, kick off as well. But um, but but the. But when it comes to the AJ and almost the the Vikings, I just call them the Vikings now because I can never remember if they're called the Raiders or Express, so I just call them the Vikings. They are they are the Viking Raiders. There you go. But um, I thought this was this was fine. The problem was no one in hell was going to boo AJ Styles, which no. how no one could have predicted this is amazing. <laughs> but uh, but I, I thought mean- this was perfect. This is perfectly fine. though. I had no issue with it. It was just. It was obvious no one was going to boo AJ. It was a match that was better than I expected it to be um, because obviously it just appeared on the main card, probably to fill up space after obviously uh, Bailey and Belair changed. It was just a fun little back and forth match. Um, you've got Omos throwing AJ out of the ring to do a Hurricane Rana on one of the Rages as well. And that's like, AJ Styles is getting on a little bit in his in his wrestling age. 
And it's Don't like, go telling him that. To, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. It's like he—he he is okay. AJ Styles is a is a veteran, a veteran who shouldn't be able, probably at his age now, be able to do these moves. The fact that he can still do these moves is amazing. And just watching it on the pay per view was great. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's like the crowd really just wanted AJ and Omos to win, and it happened. Um, I think they're they're building up to someone challenging them at SummerSlam. Uh, possibly Riddle and Orton, maybe. Seems they better be called RK like... Bro. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> they better be called yes, that. And I hope, but and now... I hope Randy does. Hope Randy doesn't turn up and then just go. We won the titles, and then just RKO's Riddle just for for no reason. Don't break them. There up. you go. Don't I mean, that said, I want to see him try defense. and RKO Omos. Maybe what will happen is he'll try and RKO Omos. He'll just pick him up, throw him towards Riddle, and just because of the position that Randy's in, he'll just happen mm. to give the RKO to Riddle while he's in midair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, just imagine you're playing a video game, basically. You know, that's how it works. But the other thing that needs to be touched on, I know, uh, the other thing that really needs to be touched on here, which just actually annoyed me, like genuinely annoyed me, was when it comes to the SmackDown tag team titles. Because... Okay. So, indulge with me for a second here. All right. The kickoff show, as far as I'm concerned, is not WWE canon. Because there have right. been so many instances in the past where there have been a match on a kickoff show that ultimately has had zero bearing on what actually happened in the WWE universe. If I remember correctly, there was a Survivor Series pay-per-view with the theme of Raw versus SmackDown, or it was bragging rights or some dumb thing like that. Mm. And there was a pre-show match involving the New Day, which did not count towards the Raw v SmackDown element of the battle, which even Xavier Woods himself acknowledged on Twitter that it was dumb, if I remember correctly. I might be remembering Mm. wrong, but the point still stands. Okay. The SmackDown tag team titles have been a very, in my opinion, have been a very key part of SmackDown for you know, a decent amount of this year, when Ray and Dominic won, they're the mm-hmm. first father-son tag team to win the belts. They've managed to keep them, you know, defend them. They had the little mini feud going on with Roman Reigns, but effectively, it's the it's the most prominent that the tag team titles have been for a while. And the logic would dictate that them versus the Usos to me is a big deal. Because if they win the belt, suddenly, you know, the head of the table and his two minions have got, you know, arguably the two main championships on SmackDown of what they could get, two or two of the main championships, I should say. So this was put on the pre-show. I I very rarely watch the kickoff show, but when I found out there had been an Usos v. Ray and Dominic match on the pre-show because they randomly recapped it during the show, and it was a title change, I was really freaking annoyed. One, you know, yeah, I could have watched it. You could argue, Jeremy, your own fault. You should have watched the kickoff show. And you know what? Maybe you're right. But it doesn't change the fact that they could have saved it for a main event on SmackDown or actually put it on the pay-per-view itself. They could have done that because then argue, because then what happens? There's then a segment backstage involving Roman and the Usos where they acknowledge they've just won the belts. And now, you know his table have now got have all got championships and it actually played into it so now our kickoff show is canon again I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say if you've got crowds that are getting ready 
for Money in the Bank, especially this is the first big pay-per-view with fans back. From a sort of atmosphere and getting the fans buzzed up, ready for like the first Money in the Bank match, yeah, I can see why they've put the the match on the pretty show. It's it's like I think on a on a normal pay per view on a normal year of WWE, this pro, this definitely would not have been on kickoff. This would have been on this would have been on the main card. But I think I think it was strategically done just to give that nice little boost of atmosphere for the fans, a nice title change, two good teams performing as well really good match as well love the heelish way the usos won the title at the end which just basically you pin him and i'll just put my legs on you and i'll just make sure that pin sticks for a little bit um and also it was it was like the, the first major time they were doing some of this weird sort of uh augmented reality stuff with the portals <laughs> for the for the mysterios that was that was interesting <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that's what they do. But it's, I don't know, it's, it, there's just a part of me that still feels that a title change shouldn't be on a kickoff show. But there's kind of still that, that, I guess it's like an older mentality, probably. It's probably just me being an older wrestling fan or something. Well, but they, there's just an element where it's an important thing that happens. And yeah, counter-argument could again be made that, well, it shows you need to watch everything. And my reaction is, no, because there's already too much. Mm, and, been, and, but- and not enough of it is really that important most of the time. I mean, they've done uh, they've done tag titles and and I think US US championship changes on kickoffs. I don't think any of the other major belts, or none of the major belts, have, have ever changed hands during the other parts of the show. It's just yeah, it's just it's just probably the 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 best they can really do. But it's yeah, it's it's it can be frustrating if you don't want to watch the kickoff show because usually most of the kickoff show for the hour is all the videos you're going to see in the main pay per view anyway and an extra match. Um, but like having, said, been, having been to a WrestleMania where the kickoff show, if I remember correctly, was two hours and there were two matches during that time, I can assure you it's a slog at times. <laughs> but yeah, I, I still think just for, I think just for this pay-per-view, I feel they just want something nice just to get the crowd going for when they, they kicked off the show proper. Um, and yeah, we've only got um, a Universal Championship match still to talk about. Um, again, a, a very kind of slow, methodical build, but... Yeah, really picked up towards the end with all the shenanigans going on. Like, obviously, uh, Usos coming out to try and help Roman again. Mysterio's coming out and trying to bake the save. And then Seth Rollins, who was enraged for by losing money in the bank, that he needed to make his own destiny. So you know what? He goes out and does some stomping, which is... Which, from a storytelling perspective, if you're trying to get the easiest route to the Universal Championship, wouldn't you help Edge beat Reigns... Yeah, I will say there was that element of me thinking that as well. But I suppose mm. from uh, there's an element of me that wonders, like, because both Roman and Reigns are heels, is it kind of technically of, hey, mate, how's it going? Even though we're not mm. mates, because I did turn on you and all that lot. But hey, mate, how's it going? Kind of dynamic. And yeah, yeah it, an element of it was a little bit weird in that sense, but... On the whole, like Seth made it known he was going to be getting involved anyway in the promo before the match when he just kind of yeah. made it known that it was his destiny to be in the match. I sounded almost like Vince McMahon then. That was unintentional. But <laughs> but yeah, like he, he made it known. And when it comes to the match, I liked it, but the beginning was really freaking slow. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of wrestling. The, the, the way I I I um I equate equate it to I don't know what the word is but 
the, the thing that it felt like is when there was a good, like five minutes of nothing happening, I basically thought, ah, we're in for the long haul. Okay, then. Mm. <laughs> it was kind I of what I about, thought. And not, not in a disparaging way. It's just literally what I thought. I think this was about 35 minutes overall, I think, the match. Mm. And I think it was a so, really yeah, good match. I really enjoyed it by the end and whatnot. But sometimes when stuff like that happens, especially... Well, okay, wait. Too many thoughts. Slow down, Jeremy. So there is the element of because the match before it was so high octane... They yeah. had to kind of restore the balance in the force, if you will, and just mm. kind of get everyone at a certain level. And they clearly probably tried to feel when they got to that point. But yeah. I, I really liked it overall. They played on some of the past storylines as well, like the whole chair leg element of it and the cross face being involved mm-hmm. in it. And they played on a few WrestleMania bits and bobs as well. It ticked all the boxes from that perspective. And it was a really good, fun title match. There was part of me, well, you could tell in the building where there was one particular moment where it looked like Edge had won and everyone went freaking mental over it. And it mm. was great. And seeing those kind of reactions again is wonderful, quite frankly. And then mm. Seth being involved, kind of waiting for it, but I did like the way that they did it, where he just appeared from the crowd rather than coming down the aisle. That was something a yeah. little bit refreshing because, you know, they've not been able to do it for over a year and a half, so let's do it now, <laughs> sort of thing. Mm. And then... Yeah, like I said, I haven't really got m- many other thoughts on the match. I-, I liked it. I don't think it was blow away. Maybe if I went back and watched it again, I'd think differently. But from what I recall mm. of it, you know, speaking a week or two after it's happened now, yeah, just a really, really good match, but ultimately going to be remembered for what happened afterwards. Yes, which is the Cena return. And we've already talked about the Cena return. It was just a very nice moment, to be perfectly honest. Um, I couldn't see him, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, especially with all that big, bright green screen. And him wearing a green t-shirt as well. Of course, he's going to be invisible. <laughs> so you, actually, you know, this is a random tangent to go on, but I, I want to bring up actually. What do you think of the new entrance way that they have? It's a big screen. That's, uh, that, that's it. That's it. It's just like it's like look at my giant screen. All right. I like a little bit more variety in my sets to be perfectly honest, but it's like. We, I think we were under the impression that something really cool was happening. It's like, no, 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 just a big giant F off screen and uh, and a ramp. The Back thing is, it. when WWE started introducing the whole like AR imagery, kind of like, you know, the, the, the statue of Roman, for example, if yeah. you look at the layout of the screen, the text is either side, so the statue is in the middle. So mm. that immediate, when I kind of started seeing things like that, I immediately thought, Right, so the AR elements, the augmented reality, are going to dictate, excuse me, the AR elements are going to dictate how things will come across in the entrance. And I think there's some really potentially fun, interesting possibilities there that could be worked with it. But honestly, I think I put this on my own Twitter as well. The first thing that came to mind when I saw it on the SmackDown was it reminded me of like the the circa late 2000, early 2001 WCW Nitro Thunder and pay-per-view entrance. Okay. Which was basically a big giant screen, probably a bed sheet because it's WCW, just with imagery Mm. being posted onto it. Just some really cool, some really cool, like, you know, metal around it. And I really like that look. And there's a lot they can do with that screen. Like I'm already Mm. thinking farther ahead, like, when it comes to a Royal Rumble, like there's lots of ways they could perhaps utilize what number they're up to, for example, when like the action's going on. So they maybe don't always have something in the bottom corner showing, or they could put timers in certain places, or if it's like a Survivor Series match or something, they could remind you because, you know, WWE sometimes think the fans can't count of how many people are left on each team 
and they could just like gray out a box when someone's eliminated. There's a lot of possibilities for what they could do with that if they really want to go that far. It's just a question of will they? Well, I have to say, I think with the draft coming up, I think at some point after SummerSlam, maybe it's a, maybe it's a more of a direction to kind of freshen up the screen so that mostly individual feature the shows again, like they used to do for SmackDown Live and, and Raw. Um, I'm, I'm just, it's like some of the, uh, the, some of the augmented reality stuff works. I mean, I liked Kofi's little video game kind of Mario, Super Mario kind of run along, which is really, really cool. Some of it is a bit odd. And then it's like, I think even Alexa Bliss, when she came down, it's like she stopped, looked up to the side where this giant augmented Lily was there going, hello, <laughs> hello, friend, go win case. All right. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot they can play with on that. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else they might be able to do because one assumes now that's just, barring perhaps like maybe the bigger shows like SummerSlam being in a stadium or whatnot, that that is now just the default entrance. And I think that's another thing as well that people didn't realise is that when that set debuted on SmackDown, that is now the default entrance for WWE. So expect to find that in WWE 2K22 on your consoles later on this year. And there you go. And then just kind of customize it. Customize or it won't it. be because they integrated it too late and into the set design and they didn't tell the developers soon enough. This is also true. Oh no, <laughs> that means the Thunderdome is the most default entry. No. <laughs> no, no, no fans, just random people just going, hello. I mean, it, 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 it's the perfect time. Like for, for years, people have said that, that they need to improve how the crowd looks. It's the perfect way to get around the fact that they can't improve how the crowd looks because they are all digital. True, true. <laughs> Look back at anyway. the N64 games, you know? <laughs> Just some cardboard cutouts, effectively. Ah, <laughs> oh, good old sports games of yesteryear. There um, you go. But obviously, obviously with Money in the Bank in the background, that actually nicely segues on to the, uh, the post-Money in the Bank extravaganza with something that I like to call Main Roster Triviality. Right. This is simply because Jeremy hasn't been able to catch up with uh, the WWE programming post Money in the Bank. Um, so what I've done is I've compiled a lovely little quiz for for Jeremy to kind of guess and uh, see what see see what happens, see what he makes of what has happened in WWE since Money in the Bank and all that goodwill. So let's kick off. Now, obviously, we we ended Money in the Bank with John Cena coming back and just doing the "You Can't See Me" gesture to to Roman Reigns and posing. Now, John Cena on the SmackDown after uh, on the Monday Night Raw after he came out, he challenged Roman Reigns to a match at SummerSlam, as we all predicted he would. So, what was Roman's answer on the following SmackDown, and what was the reason behind it? And also, for bonus point, what happened after Roman gave his decision? So, the the, the current WWE Champion point of view part of me says that Roman went, um, no, you're not just going to walk back in and get a title shot. And then just went, so access denied. And then mm-hmm. in a perfect world, I would love it if Roman had just said, could you not have like, you know, come out not looking like a Fruit Loop and maybe have a different <laughs> style shirt or something, you know? <laughs> you, you, are, you are partially right with the, um, with the, yep, Roman declines the challenge. And, Virtually for a very 
kind of very common reason, as you gave it, is basically because he viewed John Cena as being this nostalgia act, the same get-up, the same music, the same movesets, the same catchphrases. And he went on to compare John Cena to the um, missionary position, um, which got a very interesting reaction from the crowd and online. And um, a bit risque, obviously, because if it's the same thing night after night. So, But the tribal chief, he told the crowd he doesn't operate like that. He's not about that position. He's about all the positions. <laughs> it, uh, it, 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 this is a genuine line he gave on, on SmackDown. It was delivered so well that it was... It's like, the fact is, seeing Roman Reigns off the leash of scripted probos is amazing. And this Mm. is like a good example of how well he's improved over the years. The frustrating part is WWE kind of went, oh no, he said something rude. We best edited out the uh, the online video and all the replays now, which sucks. But you can definitely find it. I think I shared it on my Twitter because I I just found the moment just so out of the blue, but wonderfully kind of, it got fans on on Reigns' side. It's like, yeah, John Cena is like, old stuff it's like boring stuff it's like boring bedroom stuff he's got a good point <laughs> but um so but yes uh, so what do you think no. happened after after reigns said no well i'll tell you, I'll, I'll come back to that in a second can, can i make an observation on what something you just said go ahead he you said that that reigns describes him as like a nostalgia act and whatnot yeah now uh, now i want to preface this from what i'm about to say that I love it. I love Edge to bits. I mm-hmm. think he's awesome. Could you not make the exact same argument about Edge? I think I think Edge has changed up a little bit, obviously, since his previous run or the run before he retired, because obviously he's a bit more unhinged. Obviously, he's had those moments before, but yeah. Edge has come back. And again, even though, yes, he's a Hall of Famer and he's a legend in that sense, it doesn't feel like it's a nostalgia act and he's there when he's in a feud, he's there practically every week. And it's like, it feels like he's more, he's more there. Obviously we're seeing a turning up now and then obviously in the, like the little gap between promoting the suicide squad all the way up to when he goes off and does his next film, which is like the week after SummerSlam. Um, yeah, I can, I can get that. I can totally get that from, from a nostalgia point of view. Hmm. I don't, I, I think, I think edge isn't in that category just yet because edge hasn't just disappeared and come back saying, I want a title match or I just want to have a big, big money, big money match moment. It's like, Mm. it's like he's come back and he's had a bit more of a presence in the storylines than say Cena or Goldberg or something like that. Okay. So what happened afterwards is what you said. Um, Did Biggie come, come out gyrate randomly and just said, I'm watching you, bro. No. Someone did come out though, and it was Finn Balor. Oh, okay. So, so Finn Balor came out and said, "Well, if you're not going to take Cena's challenge, how about me?" And after being told by the fans that he was scared of Balor, uh, Reigns accepted. So I don't know if this is the current SummerSlam match or this is just going to be a match that's going to happen on SmackDown. Um, the way I look at it is maybe Cena gets involved with Balor's match with Reigns if it's a non-title thing. Maybe he gets involved, costs Reigns the match. If he eats Reigns, so he actually has the match with Cena. And then post SummerSlam, I mean, I don't see Reigns dropping it to Cena. I don't think anyone does. Uh, I can imagine post SummerSlam, Reigns gets into a program with Balor. 
And they've had they've had really good chemistry. I mean, Ballard beat Reigns on his first fight on Raw. Yep. So it's kind of like, there's something there. And I think that would be there's a nice little, there's a nice little post-summer run into the winter months. So I think that's going to, I think that's going to be quite nice. The but, but other thing I will, the other thing I'll add to that as well is that obviously there is the whole dynamic of Balor was the first universal champion, but he got he injured when he won belt. it and hasn't really had a fair crack of the whip to actually reclaim that belt. Other than the Royal Rumble lost to Brock, which was, what, 2019? Yeah, that's what I was yes. about to say. But yeah, and that's why I kind of said a fair crack at the whip. Because let's be fair, yeah. facing Brock Lesnar is not fair. Unless you're no. Goldberg. In which case then, it's, yeah, it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> ah. So you've, you've, got, you've got two points out of three so far. So that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So let's move Above on to average. Bobby Lashley. Let's go. Let's move on to Bobby Lashley. Now, obviously, Bobby destroyed Kofi and Money in the Bank. So he's had a few more challenges on Raw, and someone else has challenged him for SummerSlam. So who have been the challenges on Raw, and who has stepped up to challenge him at SummerSlam? Xavier Woods, PhD, because he beat him in a non-title match. Uh, is that for Raw or the SummerSlam one? Oh, so oh, there's legit two. Um... There's, a, uh, there's actually, there's been two episodes of Raw, so there have been, oh, there point. have been technically, <laughs> technically two Raw challenges, and then we got the pay-per-view challenger. Okay. I will say Xavier Woods, he wants SummerSlam. You know, he, he gets it. He wants the big payday. Um, mm. So Xavier Woods for SummerSlam, and... I mean, I'd like to say Big E, but given what I just said a minute ago, pr- probably not. So who else is on Raw that would challenge him? <laughs> oh, this is just making me look really bad now. Huh? Um, you know what? I'll just say it. How about, yeah, Biggie randomly came across to Raw. He used the Money in the Bank briefcase gateway portal to allow him to appear on the show. You're wrong on both accounts. Ah. So the Raw after Money in the Bank, Bobby had an open challenge, not for a title, just an open challenge. And that was answered by the returning Keith Lee. Oh, oh! So you mean Bobby Lashley actually has like an open challenge thing going on now? Yeah. yeah oh, so sorry, I, just, I misheard what you said. Oh, that's really cool. Then that's cool. So yes, yeah, so the first first open challenge, Keith Lee came out. Keith the second Lee. one. Yep. So back from injury, which is really nice to see. Keith Lee's awesome. Um, and then the second Monday Night Raw, uh, he had uh, two for the price of one because Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin both popped out and said, "Ain't no stopping them." No. It's like, hey, remember when we used to be a faction and now we're not and we're bummed about that? We want a match. And Lashley just went, all right, I'll take you both on. Destroy them both, stack them, pin them. Um, and, when was um, the last time they were both on TV? I don't know. I honestly don't know. <laughs> but, um, I sh- but yes, in terms of the SummerSlam challenger, after he beat uh, Keith Lee, a very familiar chant was called out. And good old Bill Goldberg came out. <laughs> <laughs> so at the moment for SummerSlam, it's Lashley versus Goldberg. You know what? I'm intrigued by this. I mean, because I mean, they're not, they're, Lash, I, I don't think Lash, I mean, how many people said that about Brock Lesnar and Goldberg, but they're not going to mm. do another squash match. Because that squash match at the Survivor Series of, of Goldberg and Lesnar, I still to this this day say is one of the best matches ever. 
because it was watching it live. I remember watching it live with a mate and it was so unexpected. And I, I lost my shit at about 4am and I'm sure my neighbors loved me that Sunday night slash Monday morning, but I don't think they would do that. But given the match, cause Goldberg faced Drew at Royal Rumble. Yep. Yep. And I actually kind of like that match. So I think there's a lot of possibilities here. And given the nature of both of the competitors, I think this could be something very unique. That said, I would prefer it to be someone newer. I have a nostalgia mm. thing for Goldberg because I'm a massive WCW fan at heart. Mm. But at the same time, I would like to see someone else getting the chance, if I'm being totally honest. Yes. Um, in terms of, uh, yeah, in terms of Goldberg, obviously he's doing, he's contracted two matches a year. So he's only had his first match in Royal Rumble. This is his second match. So he ain't winning the belt, <laughs> to be perfect. Unless, if it- unless, he wins the belt and then he has to defend it in Saudi Arabia. Don't don't say these things. Don't 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 give don't give Vince ideas. Don't 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 Jeremy. You're making me sad. You're making me sad. You're making the WWE universe sad. I mean, hey, <laughs> WWE made me Jamaican me crazy when Kofi didn't win the other day, you know. Fair enough. I mean, you never know. I mean, on the um on the New Day podcast, there is this wonderful clip of Biggie describing his dream match. <laughs> and he picks none other than Goldberg. Yes, and I need to this see is, this. This is, this is a beautiful clip because he's just sitting there with a mic. I think, he's, I, I think he's doing this as a joke, but every time Goldberg gets mentioned on this podcast, his eyes light up like a Christmas tree. And it's like, <laughs> it's like you talk about your five-star matches. <laughs> Your your technical show pieces, your show stealers. Nah, you just want two big men slapping each other. I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. He ain't wrong. Like if Goldberg and Lashley is just going to be two giant men beating the piss out of each other. I am but all just, for that. But then just bring in Biggie. Biggie makes a triple threat and it's even better. Uh, I mean, you know what? You're not wrong. I'll give you that. But there is a part of me that thinks that Biggie isn't going to do a surprise cash in. Like he's going to name the time and place. He's going to do the, the Rob Van Dam yeah. or I guess it'd be John Cena. Yeah, Cena, okay. Cena did the yeah. same. And Braun, Braun did it as well. Braun just said, I'm cashing in. Here's my case. Helen Cell, please. Hmm. Braun! Awesome. Braun. Ah, I miss Braun. Anyway, let's move on. So uh, no points for that one. So still on uh, two two points so far. So uh, Karrion Cross made his big Raw debut. Who did he face and what was the result? So I will tell you this much. I am aware of this because you couldn't not know. And if I'm correct, I believe it was uh, Jeffrey Nero Hardy that he faced yep. and lost to in, in a spectacular match for the ages. That, that, that not one person on this planet didn't like because it was a classic match that has, that has many, many ramifications on the landscape of WWE, let alone NXT and its reputation going forward. Yeah, you're right on both accounts there. My God, was this a f-ing stupid idea. <laughs> um, so yeah, it kind of, kind of devalues all the work that they've put into building Cross up as a, this unstoppable monster, only for him to lose via shen- rope shenanigans by Jeff Hardy. And you know what the kicker was as well? Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on. 
I didn't realise this part. So you're telling me that there was skullduggery involved in Jeff Hardy beating Karrion Cross in what was it like Jeff, a couple of minutes? Jeff Hardy had his feet on the ropes. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that. So yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, Jeff Hardy had his feet on the ropes. This is this is this is fine. No, it's fucking not. <laughs> It's still a cheap, cheap defeat to an unstoppable monster on NXT. Now, the plan, I've been reading this on like on some of the, the, the news websites like Ringside News and all that sort of stuff. So the, the currently the ideal booking plan was originally it was currently going to be Cross would face Hardy again, Cross would lose, Cross would continue to lose until Scarlet turned up. Because then it makes it like Scarlet is the only person who can unleash Cross's vicious streak. And we've seen in NXT, that's not necessarily true. Cross can just turn up without Scarlet and beat the living shit out of someone. <laughs> but it's like, I oh, do this after he lost the belt. Fine, fine. I, doing this when he has the belt is stupid and it seriously damages how people view NXT and consider Cross. It's... It's mind-boggling. It generally is mind-boggling. I mean, Ian, I will say this. One, you're not wrong. Mm. Two, don't forget that periodically, much like WWE kickoff pay-per-view shows, NXT is not canon. It's like a what-if or a side story. It doesn't apply to to, to, to the main roster landscape. So therefore, no one needs to remember about the NX of T. It doesn't apply. I'm going to... I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a counterpoint to this. Kevin Owens turned up to John Cena's open challenge, beat him. Oh, oh, oh sorry, I, I should clarify. Li- yeah. I, I will clarify. NXT is not canon when Vince McMahon doesn't want it to be canon. All right. That's a be- that's a better that's a better statement. Because better- NXT were involved in Survivor series, what was it? When 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 like a bunch of WWE wrestlers were, were trapped abroad for whatever reason. That was the, they last, couldn't that was get back. the last Saudi show. Last Saudi show. Yeah, there you go. That's what it was. And then suddenly NXT ran rough shot. Like then they were canon. But mm. since then, no. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, also there's this, obviously it's the thing of Vince has a very low expectation of NXT ever since the Wednesday, Wednesday night wars. I, I can't really call it a war to be honest. It's like two good wrestling show products were just on at the same time and more people wanted to watch AEW. It's just, it's just an unfortunate fact. And it's like, I think it's I think it's a disservice to the hard work that the NXT brand have done over the years to establish themselves as a legitimate brand. Maybe obviously it's not a brand that's been registered properly I guess in the eyes of events. I get I, it's not surprising. But it really devalues a lot of the hard work that they have done over the years and I, it just and just the cross result just was just bizarre. Okay, a lot of NXT call-ups have not been great. Just putting it out there. Rhea Ripley's had a, a torrid time of decent booking, all that sort of stuff. Um, but then you look at the roster, 80, 85% of the roster have all come from NXT. So it's it's not that the it's it's a very it's a weird conundrum because on one side, a lot of the NXT talent are making up the main core of the main roster now. So a majority of people, you name them, they've probably been on NXT. Rollins is on NXT, has been on NXT. Reigns was briefly on NXT, um, Big E NXT, Xavier Woods was on NXT, all that sort of stuff. But sometimes it's basically the performer survives, the character that they build a rep- where they build this connection with the audience doesn't. Um, 
So again, we're, we're seeing this again with with Ripley. We're seeing this at the moment with Cross because Cross, without the whole sort of NXT entrance of the of the smoke, uh, Scarlet there doing the fall and pray and stuff like that. Cross just feels very generic. And it's a shame because I think the character in NXT is really, really good. Okay, there are some limitations and we've talked about this in previous episodes, but I just, yeah, it, it sucks. It really sucks. And it's like, if you're in NXT and you're working to be part of Raw and SmackDown and you've worked so hard on a character to make it work, I bet you're, I bet you're pretty damn terrified taking it to main roster because all your hard work is going to go out of the window. I mean, we've had a couple other NXT call-ups since Money in the Bank. Tony Storm uh, had her first match. She won. She beats Elena Vega. She's being positioned as a babyface. Um, Shotzi and Knox, they're still, too, they're still de- 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 uh, undefeated. They have a tank. The tank attacked Baron Corbin this week, um, <laughs> which we'll get onto in a little bit. But yeah, I, I, the fact is, it's like, it's like they can, they, it's like, the main roster booking can, can shrug and go, oh, it's just us trying to build the character for this audience. It's like, no, it has, it has repercussions. And the next question I'm asking you is, as a result of Carrion's match on Raw, what had to be reshot at NXT tapings? What had to be reshot? I mean, I will say, the first thing I, I also want to add is that now what this also clearly means is that Jeff Hardy is the linear NXT champion, just saying. He is the, he's the rightful challenger. He's the rightful challenge. Also, can I just say, bring Jeff Hardy to NXT. I'd be game for that. That'd be a laugh. I want yeah. to see him and Johnny Gargano have a have a match. I mean, go, I mean, going off, going on, going back on the tangent in this Wednesday night thing. If WWE were uber serious about actually trying to do something there, instead of just saying, "Oh yeah, just let NXT go on Wednesdays," we'll just put them up against them. They should have. They should have mixed that roster up with some established main roster talent who weren't involved in main storylines. So it gives them a little bit of an opportunity to shine, compete at a higher level, all that sort of stuff, and get some more of the casual fans back in. The fact is, I think the only the only people that came back from main roster for that run, we had Balor coming back for his title run, which was a good title run. You had Brizango come back, and now unfortunately they're both gone. Um yeah, it's kind of like if, I mean, yes, okay, it puts the faith in the talent that's at NXT, but I think if WWE really wanted to do something, they should have done a lot more effort than just say, oh yeah, we'll just have it in the same place and we'll just pretend that nothing's happened. I mean, it's like, I think competition is supposed to encourage you to be better, not necessarily just go, oh, we'll just do the same as we always do because it, it ultimately it will pan out. And it hasn't, it hasn't. And even with the main roster product right now, Apart from a few things, it's still not, it's still not doing much. But that's just me. Um, but yes, no, you, you, mate, you're not wrong. It's just mm. ultimately, oh, what's I put this? Ultimately, to me, it always comes across as there is a perception that WWE is the be all and end all. Mm. And if there is something else, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's until it it's does. Arrogance. Which in which case, it, it's too late. I mean, it's not surprising considering. McMahon is still there in charge of everything, but it's arrogance. It's simple arrogance that their pro- that his product is the best in the world. It can't be beat, and there's no other forms of wrestling. And unfortunately, at the moment, the fans kind of and this and this is the thing. I, I will say this now because we will talk about AEW a bit. I've watched AEW more over the last couple of weeks, obviously because of things like Bunker Mania, but I've enjoyed watching AEW a hell of a lot more than the main roster because. 
because it's not treating me like an idiot. It's not burying burying talent that has worked so hard to get themselves to ignition. It yes, it builds up new talent. It continues with established talent who have come over, like Christian Cage, Jericho, and all that sort of stuff. But the fact is, it's like it's a company that actually cares about what it's telling its fans and how it's presenting itself to its fans. Whereas WWE, they just kind of throw up all the the fireworks, the glitz, the glamour and say, oh yeah, look how cool we are. It's like, no, if you were generally trying to make your product the best there is, you would look at what is not working. You'd be looking at reactions of, not necessarily, we're not saying we have sway in this, but it's obviously... We're we're probably not the only po- we're not the only podcast that sits there on a constant basis and kind of goes the main roster stuff's a bit shit. The the, the yeah. word that you said which sums this up is care. Mm. AEW yeah. care about everything they do. Sometimes it doesn't work, but at least mm. they care while trying. And the common denominator here is that WWE doesn't care, regardless mm. of what anyone says. Now, to be clear, the talent care everyone who goes in the ring cares but the people above the talent who are directing traffic are the ones Mm. that are just sending them in a diversion which leads to nowhere to try and use a very random traffic analogy for you there and speaking of traffic because this is the way i'm going to try and get us back onto point here seemingly um what had to be reshot on nxt cross his entrance because the nxt fans were chanting hardy Nah, so, really. So, so it's like, you know, people go, "Oh, why?" But it's like you make stupid decisions like this, the the talent suffers, and it, it it's the case. Yes, it's pre- yeah, it's a pre-recorded segment for like a contract sign or something like that. I I, I get that, but but it's just it's just how bad it it kind of it can be. I mean, yes, you could have had. I mean, alternative, if Cross was going to lose that match to Hardy. Why not Cross gets uber angry, causes a DQ, and loses to Hardy that way? That's fine because you still establish that heart. You still establish that Cross is a violent killing machine who is unstable. You keep that in. Yes, it's a loss by DQ, but at least it keeps the character true. Here, but, but, he but, but Ian, but Ian, but you need to remember that the wily veteran Jeffrey Nero <laughs> Hardy had his number. All those years of experience, you know, be it in WWE, in TNA, the one match he had in Ring of Honor, you know, doesn't matter where it's been. Oh, the wily veteran. Oh. <laughs> what was it? Just quickly going back, because I can't, oh, I can't remember who, who said this comment. It was mentioned on, on Wrestle Talk, Talk, but it was a very good it was a very good observation of the NXT process at the moment. Um, and it's basically what I heard was NXT is a great sort of system for training new talent, but it's not for WWE. It's for AEW. Yeah. Because if they, if they don't, if they're not, if they don't achieve what they're able to do in WWE, there's another label that will pick them up and kind of go, all right, we know what you're about. Do your thing. And it's called impact wrestling. And you, you've seen it with Malachi Black. You've seen it with how yeah. it's like, it's like, yeah, we know how good you are. We know how cool you can do with your characters. Go have fun with Cody for a bit and off we go. And it's, and it, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it, it's a sad state of affairs, but it's like, I, I do, I do enjoy watching NXT and I do enjoy watching sometimes the main roster product, but 
I, I make no bones about it. It's it's in a shocking place at the moment, and it does so, need to change. So the but question anyway. to ask based on that then, because this is something I came to a conclusion of a few years ago, mm. is are you still watching the WWE? I'll just say WWE as a whole, and I'll include NXT in that bracket here. Are you watching it every week out of habit or because you want to? NXT and SmackDown, I want to because there are bits on both shows that I enjoy. So SmackDown, I enjoy the rain stuff. On NXT, most of the wrestling action has been really, really good. And there are good characters there, like Grimes, like LA Knight, uh, Hit Row and stuff like that. The characters are there and they're engaging. Not many good characters on Raw or SmackDown. And that's not a fault of the performers. It's usually a fault of the booking. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, it's like, I will skim through Raw. It's like I either I'll either glance at Raw. I tried to make an effort with Raw post Money in the Bank because I thought, okay, this is a good direction of things, and they immediately decided to screw that up within three hours, um, mostly with the cross booking, um, uh, and spat, and yeah, it's it's like I there are bits I still watch, but there are bits that I will not necessarily care too much about if I'm not watching. I mean, up and up until watching. Raw post money in the bank. I was avoiding Raw because it was just nonsensical. It wasn't engaging, and even the smallest little bits that were getting praised, I just didn't have the time, and I did, didn't want to make the time for it. That's that's just the unfortunate reality of it. Um, I hope it gets better. I really do, and I hope I hope fan reactions do something. But I if I'm they want if they want breath. the SummerSlam Stadium to be packed, they will. Yeah, or at the very least, they're gonna they're gonna at least present matches that people will be like, "I actually want to see that," regardless yeah. of what they've done on TV. I want to see it. Yeah. So let's let's quickly roll roll through. I've got a few more questions. I've got two. Yeah, I've got three more questions. So okay. um, obviously, last episode we were talking about the the babyface turn in the works of Baron Corbin or babyface Corbin. Um, how did WWE make us care for peasant Corbin even more? I say care, make us more, 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 uh, more jovial at Cor- and Corbin. And this is post money in the bank, right? This is the well. This is. This is partially part before Money in the Bank and then post Money in the Bank. Okay, because I remember on the SmackDown before Money in the Bank, didn't he start like a GoFundMe? He did. He or did. something like that. And then like... Corbin Fund. Corbin Fund. Was that website actually real? It was an actual website, but it was only the image. You couldn't Thank donate God. money. Thank God for You that. couldn't donate money. And they played that into the following week where he sat there and went, oh yeah, I think the web designer screwed me out of money and took my money and ran. It's just an image. No one's able to donate money to me. Um, and then last episode of SmackDown, he, start, he, he kind of, he's starting to learn the error of his ways by apologizing to, to Kevin Owens for calling him out in his fashion the previous episode. And, and Owens goes, okay, that's fine. You re- you're, you're, well, you're wait, wait, learn, right? wait, wait, stop. Time out. All right. Baron Corbin... <laughs> apologized to Kevin Owens for calling him out on his fashion. Yeah, because in the the pre the pre money in the bank smackdown, Corbin Corbin's pleading with people to give money. Kevin Owens turns up and goes, "Oh, you look like you've got a, you've got a lot of money considering you just wear the same outfit all the time." Right, and then, okay. And then, I, I, and then I, Owens stunned him. <laughs> okay, I don't know why I had this I had a sudden thing that like 
Baron Corbin's new gimmick was he was going to be like a fashionista or something. I don't know. But. Oh, God, no. God, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. But um, no, KO, KO, was so- KO felt a bit sorry for him, gave him about 40 bucks. Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode stole said 40 bucks with a super kick. <laughs> and then Baron Corbin got shot in the crotch by the tank of shots and knocks. And this is supposed to all give us sympathy for Baron Corbin. I mean, it's kind of like you just want to see how low, how bad it's going to get for Corbin next week. I mean, I you would really, say you would say how low can it go, but clearly it's already done a low blow, so we can't do that now. Well, well, the way they establish that he is suffering is he wears the same white t-shirt, but they add more and more tomato stains to it. So it's like it's like before Money in the Bank, one stain; after Money in the Bank, two stains. I'm expecting three or four next time. I mean, dude, if you can't eat your meal without spilling food on it, just to eat without a shirt on, you know? There's a way to get around this. Fair enough. Okay, moving on quickly. Um, what location did WWE run two matches from SmackDown at? Post Money in the Bank. They did they did a they did a bold, bold two location show. I I I've not, I literally don't know. Um you know what? Were they on the flight with Jeff Bezos in space? No. They went to uh, Rolling Loud, a hip-hop festival in Miami. And they had two matches. They had Dawkins versus Chad Gable. And they also had a rematch between uh, Bianca Bella and Carmella. And the crowd didn't give a fuck. <laughs> so... Uh, 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 right, I need to try and unpack this. Okay. So the people who paid tickets to go to SmackDown had to watch two matches that weren't in the building they were in, that they had paid to be in, to watch action in front of them. Yes. And in vice versa, the people who had paid to go to a hip-hop festival saw the main stage taken up by a wrestling ring for two matches they know nothing about. How this, how, how do you see a positive here? <laughs> right. Well, first of all, this calls for a drink, for a drink break. <clears throat> so, and today's episode is brought to you by some sort of cola. And- by Pepsi, by Pepsidius Maximus. I'm not going to lie because it's been sat here for ages. That's really warm. Oh, beautiful. Ooh. Ooh. So, um, <laughs> okay. So I, I, I will say this. I applaud the idea by WWE mm. because doing it from different locations is actually a pretty cool idea. But I think mm. I've emphasized already how that seems like a bit of a ripoff for everyone who attended, quite frankly. Also, if you're mm. going to do it from an event that you might normally go to, might not normally go to, make it one where people might at least moderately care. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, when when NXT has gone... And NXT has gone to like download in the UK. They've they've put it in a tent. They've put it in like a tent, which is still like an arena esque seating. Thing. It's, it's the NXT and, zone, quite frankly. Yeah, it's the it's the NXT zone. This was not it. Basically, think of like the big stage at Glastonbury. Just just imagine that stage with a sea of thousands upon thousands of people, and right in the middle of the stage, in this teeny tiny. If you were right at the back of this teeny tiny thing. There's a ring. There's just a ring. They used the runway to have entrances. So people came out, they walked down the runway, they did some posing and went back onto the ring. It, 
again, nothing wrong with the performance here, but I just think it was a bit misguided an attempt to go, hey, we're cool. People like us everywhere. It's like, there's a time and a place for certain things. This was not one of them. No, no. And also the matches were, the matches weren't well shot. That's it's like, I watched, I started watching like the Gable and Dawkins match. I just went, no, can't watch this and and skipped it on because they were also doing piped in crowd noise as well. So it's like, (laughs) it was frustrating. Absolutely frustrating. I mean, those things can work. Those things can work. It's just, A, think about where you're putting it and and think about the people that are going to be watching it. It's like... Okay, you know what? I'm going gonna, right, gonna to ask you a question now. You've got to pick one or the other. Uh, In hindsight, knowing how these came out, would you rather have seen these two matches at that hip-hop festival or would you have liked the surprise of them having been taped at the Thunderdome. Well, at least I can see actual people at the festival. That's like pick the lesser of two. I would have to yeah, go to the right? festival simply because it's like I can actually see people trying to engage and looking slightly bewildered that their favourite artist like Cardi B hasn't turned up on stage yet. <laughs> and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can work. It can work just Think about it, please, WWE. It's just not because it's like, oh, it's happening next week. Let's just send a ring down there. It'll be fun. No one will mind. So, <laughs> did, so um, I, 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 I'm almost asking too many questions now. Did yeah. they have to set up the ring in between acts performing? Like, did they have their own time slot at this festival? Because a ring I doesn't think, exactly isn't exactly so. a quick thing to make. Or was the ring I on wheels? So. Or, you know, did they just wheel it on like a drum kit? You know? I think so. I think so. Uh, then I, don't, they, then I don't know. I, I, I expect there to be a WWE Network documentary about this. It'll be on the day of Rolling Thunder. <laughs> oh no, not rolling no, not rolling thunder on the on the day of rolling loud. Sorry, I got that wrong. Oh see, that was me uh, about to say sp- special guest host Rob Van Dam, you know. But <laughs> uh, All right, your last question. All right, since money in the bank, has there been a cash in? Oh actually I, I'm aware of this. Yes, there has, because Britain's own sorry, actually no wait. Yeah. I was gonna say Britain's own, but I'm sure the Scot- all the Scottish fans out there are going, no, Scotland's own. <laughs> Uh, Nikki A.S.H. is the, I assume, is still champion at the time we're recording. I, I genuinely don't know, but I'm aware that she cashed in and like many, many fans were just like, oh my God. She cashed in, she is the champion and she's currently still is the champion, even though she lost their non-title match against Charlotte this past Monday. Um, uh, so, current- so they've continued, they've continued the, 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 the typical Money in the Bank winner booking of them losing until they cash in, but they're just trying it in reverse now. Okay, right, sure. Yes, yes, pretty much. So basically, if you've been cashed in on, that means you start winning. Uh, <laughs> so um, the current plan for SummerSlam is a triple threat between Nikki, A-S-H, Rhea Ripley, and Charlotte Flair. Because this feud must continue. Oh. But now, But now there is almost a superhero in the mix. This is and true. that means yeah, I, uh, something super will happen at SummerSlam. Maybe Nikki will, well, I don't know, she'll, she'll recreate the Shawn Michaels entrance from WrestleMania 12 and she'll zip line all the way down the arena into yeah. the ring. But then the zip line won't work completely well and she'll randomly stop partway through the crowd and will then have to walk through thousands of people to then get into the ring. 
this is true. This is possibly true. Who knows? I mean, anything can change there. Anything can change at the moment. Um, I thought we were going for Charlotte Becky, but clearly that's not the case and there's still no plans for Becky to come back. So, all right then, fine. Um, other than those little bizarre bits, uh, like I said, main roster has been kind of throwaway stuff. Um, more of the same. Big money matchups of SummerSlam are being lined up. So we've got Edge versus Rollins. That's a certainty to happen. Um, Cena versus Reigns will happen. It's just the question how we get there. And the same with Lashley versus Goldberg. Um, so yeah, they're making, they're making big, ma- they're making big matches, which will probably get the odd casual viewer in, but again, doesn't really fill me with uber confidence, I suppose. But that's, I mean, it'll, it'll, probably, John Cena. it'll probably be, it'll probably be a great event. Don't get me wrong. I think SummerSlam might be a fun pay-per-view, but in the grand scheme of long-term storytelling and boosting your younger stars, I don't think it's going to be good. <laughs> Jonathan Cena right back in the title picture that he never left. Hmm. Yeah. But you know, uh, you know, I can't, no, I was going to try and do a segue to AEW. I can't. Let's talk about some good shit. So, yes. All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Now, at the yes. time we're recording, last night's episode was the, involved the second labor of Jericho featuring, yeah. featuring Christopher Jericho against Nick Gage, which even saying that out loud is dumb and mental. And this, this stemmed from Chris Jericho defeating Sean Spears last week. Now I will just ask anecdotally, Ian, did you see Dynamite from last week? Yes, I saw, yeah, I saw last week's Dynamite. Yeah. So like when, when MJF came out on that stage after the Sean Spears match and he announced Nick Gage, again, I watched everything spoiler free. So I watched it and there are Mm. very few times in wrestling when I kind of go, wait, what? And then Nick Gage walked out and just the idea of it was utterly insane. And just, it, it, it was a fa- <laughs> it was like you had made Nick Gage in a WWE 2K game and you were doing mm. a game match. Like the graphics that were being shared around online and the, the general reaction and discourse that I kept seeing was, how is this happening? What is going on? <laughs> what life am I living in? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, I know you haven't seen it yet. So for the, uh, I will just say a few things. If you do not like blood, don't watch it. Mm-hmm. I am not, a, I'm not a massive, uh, no, I'm not even not, not going to say I'm not a massive fan of death matches. I really don't like death matches or ultra violent stuff. There is a mm-hmm. lot of ultra violent related stuff in here, including the use of a pizza cutter, which if you're watching on TNT and not on fight TV, like I was, there is a moment where a pizza cutter is utilized on one Christopher Jericho and then they cut to a commercial break and the commercial break somehow is an advert for Domino's pizza. Do, do, do you think there was like a secret sponsorship talk? So, like, so this, this wrestler, he's got a pizza cutter and we're thinking if we could time a break for Domino's pizza right then, could we make this happen? And they're just oh, going, yeah, it's like sure. The- Sure, why the, not? The, the, video, the video's all over Twitter. You guys can find it. But in terms of telling a story, um, in terms of telling a story, again, I'm not a fan of ultraviolent stuff. Mm. I understand what's happening here. There's a lot of different layers going on. And in terms of Jericho literally being put through the ringer to be able to get mm. to MJF, this is the whole purpose of it. Do I want to see Nick Gage on TV again? Look, I've seen some interviews with the guy. I think he did one with Chris Van Vliet, which is kind of a fairly mm. revealing one and it kind of shows the kind of guy he is. 
Mm. I'm sure I could probably have a conversation with him if I tried hard enough, but again, it's it's not my thing, the whole deathmatch thing. It's really not. Like even seeing footage of like the match he had recently with Matt Cardona in the Game Changer Wrestling match, I don't want to see the match because I'm just, mm. I, I'm not that kind of guy. I might be one day for all I know. Who knows? But right now, no, I don't need that level of violence. But it told the story, but afterwards, after the match, is where young WCW fan Jeremy who has previously had the username on many forums of WCW forever. This is when younger Jeremy came into the forefront and he rekindled his passion for WCW in the late 90s when MJF brought back a reference that Jericho had made to MJF about two years ago in like AEW's first year when he randomly mentioned... You remind me of when I was like facing Juventud Guerrero on WCW Nitro and an MJF responds with, who the hell's Juventud Guerrero? And Jericho says, Google it. And then MJF <laughs> then says after they showed a clip, oh, I did Google him. And next week you're facing Juventud Guerrero on AEW Dynamite. <laughs> it's just it's the best. I think, and I think it's just I the, think the, the best. I think this does kind of, Indicate, I think this might be a Jericho retirement tour. I kind of mm. think it is. I kind of feel like it is building up to that because we've had, we've had, we've had Inner Circle Jericho. We've had Painmaker Jericho. We're probably going to get Lionheart Jericho next week. Um, I need a classic I, Lion Tamer next week. I need the classic Lion I, Tamer. But I, I can, ima- I can imagine Jericho going through all the trials, getting to MJF, and MJF will say, "You lose, you retire." Yeah. I, I can see, I can see that. And it will happen all out. Yeah. I think it will. Yeah. Yeah. It just, the other, it just, the thing it is just that, seems uh, perfect when, storytelling in a way. Yeah. When it comes to Juventud Guerrero, are you aware of the history between him and Jericho? I am not, I'm afraid. So I, 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 I won't try to go on too long because I appreciate we've gone a little bit long here. But yeah. to give some context, in I think it was 1998 specifically, Juventud mm. Guerrero started the year as WCW Cruiserweight Champion. And then he lost the belt to Rey Mysterio. Jericho ended up winning the belt from Rey Mysterio after Rey got like a knee injury and whatnot. And Juventud was determined to try and get another championship match. And he kept badgering Jericho, if I remember correctly. And this ultimately led to the February 1998 pay-per-view known as Super Brawl 8, because mm-hmm. 1998. And Jericho gave the condition, you can have a title match, but your mask is on the line because at the time, Juventud Guerrero was a masked luchador. And so in that match, he ultimately lost to Jericho submitting in the Lion Tamer. And so Hoovy had mm. to take off his mask. And part of it as well is that Jericho started almost being like a trophy collector in a way. So he would take various things from people. So he would keep like holding Juventud's mask about the place, carrying it with him and, and a few other bits and bobs from other wrestlers as well. Because Jericho's mm-hmm. character at the time was being a complete dick, but a very amusing one, quite frankly. And so that's kind of where the whole like rivalry between him and Hoovy comes from, which if I remember correctly, culminates, I want to say with a match in August of 98, maybe at Road Wild at the pay-per-view there, I think. And I think they had another match of some kind where I think ultimately Hoovy was able to finally get some measure of revenge on Jericho. I'm really just pulling this out of thin thin air instead of trying to remember. But there is literally a deep-rooted history between Juventud Guerrera and Jericho. And the fact they're bringing this back, what, over 20 years later onto TNT is freaking mental and I love it. It'll be a nice good third trial. 
Question is, who would be the fourth and who would be the fifth? Yeah, well, the other thing as well is I think MJF said that the only way you can win the match is you need to execute a match off the top rope. He mentioned something uh, like that as uh, well, which I was a little bit confused by because Jericho has done that now for two straight matches. So I think that needs to be a bit clarified. But that aside, I mean, in terms of who else could there be um, from Jericho's past? I mean, could he have a match with Sting? <laughs> I mean, my instant reaction was about to say Goldberg, but that's not possible. Um, no, no, definitely not. Well, maybe after, well, no, because by then it's like the, well, no, it will be in the run up to All Out still. I mean, it, I mean, the thing is, though, you could argue as well. That's, okay, let's go on what you were mentioning about this being maybe some kind of retirement tour. If this, mm. the idea is this of of going back through his career, but also ha- having him do things he's not done before, because mm. I'm going to assume Jericho's never been involved in what was effectively a death match before, because like, no, he I literally, not, yeah, he literally was like, was like, oh, what's the word, spine busted and pile driven onto glass, quite mm. literally. Like they left a lot of blood on that match last night. Mm. So I guess at that point, it's what other matches has he not been involved in? Because there is still an element of, is he going to have to face an inner circle member? Like we talked last time, might he have to face Jake Hagar in an MMA match or Wardlow in an MMA match? I don't know what one or the other, but there is an element to where, what else has he not done before? Because this is going to be the last time he'll be doing stuff. It might make sense. Mm. It yeah, it's like it's hard to predict, really. I mean, the fact is that if they're going, but that's through, a good thing. That's a good but, thing that you can't predict it. But because, but I think the best the best we do is just use Chris Jericho history. And if there's a, if there's an opportunity to line up a history thing, then great. Um, that makes sense. Just yeah, just have a look at Chris Jericho's history, and hopefully you'll find clues. Maybe, maybe Lance Storm. Who knows? And the hundred and hundred and how many how many holds did he have? How many holds did uh, Jericho? Uh, it was a thousand and one that he had because yeah, Dean Malenko so. used to have a thousand holds. Oh, so, I mean, oh, I, maybe, don't, so maybe, I don't I don't think Dean Malenko can wrestle anymore because I think oh, okay. he's um I think he's got Parkinson's, so I think that kind of prevents him Ooh, from being able to yeah. wrestle. Um, I might have to do a quick Google while we're talking now of like Jericho's history of like feuds he's had. But, but we we shall see. But at the moment, it's on the it's on the right track, and and it's an engaging it's an engaging story. It's an it engaging is. plot. It is an engaging plot line at the moment, which is what I what I cannot say about some of the main roster stuff right now. So, but but you know what else was really freaking great on that Dynamite show, which I know you have seen. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the Dark Order versus the Elite, <sighs> because everything about this presentation was freaking amazing. The fact that they had the Dark Order come out, I'm, I'm including Adam Page in that lineup as well, by the way, because he literally came out wearing Dark Order-themed gear. The fact mm. they did like a whole like hype video of the stable, and they appeared on the stage being lit up, and then Hangman then comes out, and there was almost like a custom version of the Hangman's mm. music, and they all stood by the ring apron and did like the Dark Order sign and Hangman pointing at the sky together. Oh, I genuinely, like, my heart melted. I got goosebumps. I was so happy and I was so up for this. So, so up for this because I so badly want to see this Hangman the Omega match. And then the freaking Elite come out. And then, 
and they what is later what is revealed about two minutes later they've got a sponsorship deal to promote the new space jam movie <laughs> and they've come out as the elite squad and they've got a freaking basketball ring to set up down at the bottom of the entrance ramp and oh, the, the have- excalibur hurriedly has to like promote the space jam film after one of them does a dunk it's so damn good oh. i have to i have to check right now if the if the elite squad t-shirt is available to buy on aew shop if it is i am we are i am pausing this recording to order one i'm just saying that but just everything about this presentation was but feel free to interrupt me if it is by the way but everything about the, the build-up presentation to this was so damn good and the whole the big premise of the match as well was the championship match of Hangman was on the line, as well as a title opportunity for the Dark Order for the tag team championships against the Young Bucks. That is what the crux of this match was about. And ultimately, there were some tremendous moments with the Dark Order, but it ultimately came down to the three primary, what I'm going to call members of the elite, Omega and the Young Bucks, against Hangman Page. Hangman was able to get rid of one of them. I want to say it was Matt Jackson, if memory serves correct. But ultimately, he couldn't beat both of them. And Omega, it was Omega that was the one that pinned him, wasn't it? Uh, Yes, I think he, it was a V-trigger and then a very emphatic one-winged angel. So it was the most decisive way, in in many respects, of beating Hangman. And it plays into that story of, they they were saying, when the moment comes, you're you're scared of failure and all this hype and passion and building up to this match and watching it, I could feel my heart crumbling. Genuinely, because that's how much I love watching the show. My heart mm. is crumbling that you can just feel he can't do this. He's not he's just he's not gonna beat Omega and the Young Bucks. Like I think- he's pretty he's pretty damn good and he was kicking out of big moves to the point where it took like three belt shots as well to get the job done. But when it ultimately happened and everyone in the crowd knew it was happening, you could feel kind of the air and the emotion just being sucked out. And I, yeah. I say the emotion, but you could you could tell the despair of people in the crowd and just that realisation of, oh shit, it's actually not, this is not going to happen. And you could argue there are other reasons why this is probably not happening now. It may happen at some point in the future. We may get onto that before the end of the show. But yeah. in general... You, there was just, it was a moment which perfectly encapsulates the build-up of this match, just leading everything to all the little threads that have been sewn was leading to this 10-man tag match, and I freaking loved it. Mm. Yeah, I, I think the question is, how do we get to that that title match now? So I don't, we don't know if there's going to, unless Omega does go, gets goaded into doing something else, and this time he finally loses or something like that. Or, may, or maybe, or maybe authority gets involved i don't know um but no it, it it's it, it it makes you kind of eager to see what's going to happen next week because obviously if if they're not going to get the belt challenge if they're not going to be able to challenge the belts now how how are the dark order and how are uh and how is hangman going to get his chance at the title as well so there's some very interesting queries interesting questions there yeah and the other things that i was alluding to is there are let's just call them strong reports reports going around that, are, that you know, 
two oh. relatively, you know, two two relatively well known names might have signed with AEW. You know, uh, 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 oh, you mean Strong Robbins, or as or as I think a few people have been complete losing of shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, the internet totally didn't implode a little bit last week at the thought of a. Uh, uh, just say it like, look, CM Punk and Brian Danielson are strongly rumored to have signed with All Elite Wrestling. At the time we're recording this, Tony Khan did an interview on a radio show promoting the event yesterday where he outright just said no comment to questions about them, to two different questions about them, it should be said as well. He just outright said no comment to them. So well, it leads you to I, think in one way or another? It kind of leads It kind of leads one way. Um, to be perfectly blunt, they would not be doing the sheer levels of nodding to CM Punk on this past episode, if a deal was not in place uh, yep. soon, because you have the second rampage show taking place in Chicago called the first dance. Darby Allen's like people come to AEW so they can wrestle the best. And that, and that's the perfect place. If you're the so-called best in the world. And that's a, that's yep. an absolute, I'm calling you out CM Punk. So that guarantee. So I, I, on I, that, I'm, on that note, actually, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Is it, uh, my first thought was, that was actually a very clever line because that could apply to either Punk or Brian. This is true, but the but the show's coming in Chicago. Oh, totally. I, I listen. I'll put it this way. Good point. I am more than up for Darby Allen v CM Punk. I think it is freaking perfect. If you ask me. But mm. that said, there is part of me as well that really wants to see one or both of those men get in the title mix. But yeah, like this, this news has seemingly just really like upended the championship picture. And if, you know, ultimately the way that this 10 man tag match match went last night is a result of these one or both of these men being signed. I have every faith in AEW. They can do a a proper payoff. If I put it that way down the line, I I genuinely don't doubt it. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be uber upset if, say, Punk or Danielson. Is it Danielson? Yeah, Danielson. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm about to say, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm going about to say basis- Brian, but I don't want to. <laughs> and it's the thing. Yeah. His, 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 his legit name is Brian Danielson. So that's why I'm just calling okay. him Brian, so I don't accidentally call him like yeah. the wrong one. But I'm pretty yeah, sure it'll so, be Brian Danielson. Uh, I mean, I don't think any fan's going to be too upset if either Punk or Brian turn up uh, challenge Omega and probably lose, to be honest. I mean, I think it will be, I think it is a, it gets the casual fan watching. It gets, it gets people more invested, obviously in the Kenny storyline. And obviously if Kenny retains, that makes him a stronger champion, which makes the eventual hangman victory even more sweet. It's like he's able to overcome some of the, the best wrestlers out there. And this is like, it's building his sort of, it's building his sort of uh, boss level, I guess, material of things. It's basically just building up the fact that he is an almighty obstacle to overcome in wrestling. So I can Mm. imagine that. I can imagine that happening. I can imagine that being all right. Um, But then again, it might just be there, there will be another way for Paige to get his title match. We just we just haven't thought about it just yet. It's, it's not sort of thing. Exactly. But, 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 but this match overall, though, you, I'm really, sure you really 100% good. agree. This 10-man tag was phenomenal. 
it was it was great fun. It was great fun. I mean, there's there was a wonderful spot where <laughs> where the chat where the where the young bucks were kind of going, okay, okay, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a dunk, I'm gonna do a dunk, and then a melts a driver at the same time. <laughs> this is the basket. Do you know what, the so move. I, I don't know if you're aware. Are you aware of like the other element of that spot and the fact it went wrong being even funnier? Go on. I might have missed so, this, but go on. <laughs> so they won't acknowledge you on TV, but the, on being the elite, like the Young Bucks YouTube show, yeah. every week for the better part of two months, which when you think about it now makes freaking perfect sense. There have been random cutaway, like tw- 20 to 30 second, like shots of Nick Jackson doing these ridiculous, like basketball shots. Like he would jump from a diving board. It, like he'd be, he'd jump on a diving board, be in the air, do a shot, land in the water and the ball would like go in the net. Mm. And he just all these insane things. And so ultimately he's been building up to this. And the one time he's got to do a wrestling move and a dunk and a shot at the same time, he can't do it. <laughs> oh, I just love it. That it happened. He missed. And then he put the ball back into the net and the crowd went, you still missed. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. Uh, I've had a look on AEW shop. There's no Elite Squad t-shirt yet. I would I would be shocked if that doesn't appear on the shop within the next week. I, I think I w- it's a beautiful marketing ploy. Make it happen, please. Please. Oh, please. That said, though, I will say, have you seen the... the this is a bit of a tangent, but have you seen like the Street Fighter AEW shirts they've been doing? Yes, and I haven't ordered one. I really wanted to get when I when I saw it in hindsight. It's like ah, oh, I really wish I got that. But the Hikaru Shida Gal- the Kami one was really good. Oh, I love the Gal versus Moxley one, and it's great. Random tangent for anyone who follows uh, Bunk- Bunkerzilla or the stuff that I do at the moment on Mondays on Twitch. I I kind of dive into I kind of dive into old animated TV shows from the past from like children's television, and we are currently watching the Street Fighter animated series. Uh, so it's like it's like a perfect kind of synergy it's it's a very weird it's um yeah it's it's not like street fighter 2v or the all the good street fighter animes this is like the american attempt to kind of we're gonna make street fighter into a tv show like gi joe and yeah yeah when (laughs) when you've got a when you've got ryu who can't say hadouken with a much energy it's like hadouken hadouken (laughs) no no it's supposed to be hadouken it's like hadouken yeah, yeah. Oh, join me, join then. me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash the deck a day, and you'll experience all those funds. Mondays, eight o'clock, UK British Do it. time, of course. Do it, everyone. <laughs> Do it. So from here, the other thing I wanted to touch on with AEW, because there was a lot that happened, but to try and keep it somewhat mm. succinct, the one other thing I want to touch on is Malachi and Cody. Because uh, I l- yeah. I love the way this was built up. It was the idea that Cody was at like the go position on his headset. He was being interviewed <laughs> and then Malachi just attacks him. And it's it like, was so well done. Literally. Yeah. Just, it just attacked. And then Tony Khan is there as well. And like, it was just so well done. They ended up on the entrance ramp and then he, he takes out Cody and then freaking Fuego del Sol who yeah. is really over on the internet because he's been involved in Sammy Guevara's vlog for so freaking long. He literally eats this kick from Malachi. It was so well done. And the two other notable things, which one, I want to give a credit to the fans and two, want to give credit to Malachi because it sounds so damn good. The fans were chanting Malachi. I don't know if you noticed that, 
but they were chanting the word Malachi. And it's like, excellent. You've established that. And it works well as a chant. And then the mm-hmm. thing that, that Malachi Black said as, as the segment was ending on camera, or actually it was a little bit before, before people ran out. But he just basically said, welcome to the House of Black. And it's like, that's perfect. A cool, that's, that's a cool perfect. faction name. That's a faction. Make it happen. House but the, of thing, Black. The, other, the other thing I'm thinking of, though, is think of like all the branding and the merch that could come with that. Mm. Like the whole House Absolutely. of Black thing to have it, it. It's so well thought of. And I'm really looking forward to seeing this match, which happens next week and their homecoming yep. show in Daly's place. Yep. And um, that show also, next week is going to be pretty damn big, I think. And also just to really touch on the, the Malachi Black sort of stuff as well. Um, if anyone out there who's a big fan of, of the Malachi Black character or Tommy N character as a, as a general, uh, go to the Parts Funknown uh, YouTube channel. It's uh, an offshoot of WrestleTalk. Uh, they've done this great explainer video about all the, like, the occult uh, symbolism and all that sort of stuff with the Malachi Black character, even with the Dark Father character, which was the last thing he did in um, WWE before he was released. And it's just like, it gives you a, a better a better idea of, of the direction of character or how um, Black approached the character building side of things. When he was in NXT, when when he was on, and when he moved over to AEW, it's very fascinating. I think if you find the character fascinating, you will enjoy this one. Completely agree. And like I say, there was more stuff that happened on AEW, but those are kind of the main three things I wanted to touch on when it came to talking about it. Also, I appreciate we've gone a bit for a bit of a while as well. So I mm. think with that being said, Ian, unless there's anything else specific you would like to bring up, I think we are ready to bring this edition of Bunker Mania, catching up on recent happenings in WWE and AEW, to a close. Anything else you wanted to bring up? Um, no, I think we've we've covered the main, the main little bits and pieces there. Uh, like I said earlier in the episode, I... I watch AEW a lot more regularly now, obviously the main Dynamite shows, and I enjoy. I generally enjoy watching them more than I do watching WWE right now. And it's like, for a while, it's like, I'm not afraid to admit that when AEW started, I was kind of very on the fence and I was kind of not necessarily going with the sort of, this is the savior of wrestling side of things. It was just kind of like a kind of instant sort of, oh, this is going to be the bees all and ends all. And it hasn't been, it hasn't been a perfect ride for AEW. Uh, they've had their ups, they've had their downs, and all that sort of stuff. But the more I watch it now, especially on the run that they're going, especially with the stories that they are telling, especially with the talent they have, and especially with the fact, like we said earlier, they are they are treating the audience with respect in terms of booking, in terms of story. Um, I think this is this is by far the best wrestling product to enjoy right now. And yeah, I'm 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 very happy to say that. It's like it's it's not even close compared to WWE right now. And that's saying something for me, who's always generally been watching a lot more WWE product. Yeah, I, I've been involved with AEW. I say involved, I don't work for them. I've been watching AEW since day one and I was, well, since before day one, technically. Mm. And I, I've been with it every single step of the way and I've not regretted it once. Even when, like mm. you said, there have been some random up and down moments, I've genuinely enjoyed watching it and that's something as a wrestling fan nowadays for a while was difficult for me to be able to say like passionately and confidently but i'm saying it as a passionate wrestling fan right now aew is my favorite show to watch aew dynamite Mm. every single week without fail i will do everything in my power to stay spoiler free on it i want to watch it as soon as i can because i just i can't watch it during the night live i just can't it just doesn't work that way in my schedule stuff but i want to watch it 
And I can't honestly say I want to watch a lot of WWE. I've watched mm. some of it out of habit and I'll check and see what's gone on, but I want to watch Dynamite, which is why I cannot wait to see what happens on Dynamite next week at the time we are recording this. In terms of what is coming up next on Bunker Mania, if you've not already checked it out, guys, make sure you check out our little episode that we did, almost a little bonus show in some ways, or a bit of a mm. divergence of, 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 uh, of direction, if you will, because we looked back at the WWF Invasion pay-per-view from 2001, <laughs> because Ian, I brought it to your attention, it was 20 years old, and you mentioned you'd never seen it, and I thought it would be a damn good laugh to do that, and we had a damn good time talking about it, didn't we? I mean, I, I've, I've watched it, and as I described it, it still comes across as a dream match builder but you haven't got any of the premium content (laughs) to make it work oh mate but in terms of what else is going to be coming up in bunker mania there will be another episode coming in the next week or so most likely when you are hearing this we'll be catching Mm -hmm. up on other things obviously we're going to be talking about dynamite and stuff we'll be talking about the road to SummerSlam, and and who knows what else because we had a good time talking about invasion so we might double it dabble delve Go go back in time, you know, because we're time travelers. There you go, Explore. yeah. On Earth, go on adventures. That sort of stuff. But but we had a good time looking back at an older show in a pay per view. So uh, we think we might do that again, just to kind of help cleanse the palate a little bit in some ways. Because yeah. it's nice to be able to look at some other stuff. So uh, so be on the lookout to see what else is going to be coming on that front very very soon. And uh, Mr. Ian, when it comes to people finding out more about Bunkermania, what are the best ways to do that currently? Well, you can follow Bunkerzilla UK on Facebook, Twitter, and of course, Twitch, and on YouTube at Bunkerzilla UK. Just put that in your search bar. You'll be able to find us nice and easy, just like that. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, go to twitter.com slash decaday. Oh, one word. That's a D, that's an E, that's two Ks and an E-R, followed by Dane, as in Great Dane. And uh, yeah, get in touch, chat all things wrestling. If there's, a, if there's an old show from Wrestling Pass that you think we would have a lot of fun checking out, do let us know. I would be very curious to hear what you guys think. Indeed. If you want to find me on Twitter, folks, you can find me under the username Jeremy G and then two underscores immediately after it. From myself, Jeremy Graves, from him, Mr. Ian Bolton, you've been listening to Bunker Mania here on Bunkerzilla UK. Until next time, signing out. Bye. Bye-bye. Enjoy the show. Discover more Bunkazilla originals at bunkazilla.co.uk. Ooh.